0: it's been a few months since i've been up on the stage to deliver god's word so it's such an honor for me to be here tonight and to be here with you to share god's word Um, for those that are aware uh, just a few days ago our church on monday started a 40-day prayer and i strongly believe that this is in god's timing to let us know and to reveal to us that this is a time of prayer to bring us to know the importance of prayer and to see the urgency of prayer for such a time as this. You see, when I was given this assignment to preach the word tonight, um, about a week ago, I did not know what I was going to preach on. Uh, And typically, when I'm given the freedom to preach on any kind of topic or passage, I usually bring it to the Lord in prayer. And so I prayed, God, what is it that you want us to know tonight? What is it that you desire for us to learn? And what is it that would bring glory to your name and that we would be able to see your glory once again? Still did not know what to preach on until the weekend came and I felt the Lord really impressing upon my heart to preach on the topic of prayer. And I think it aligned really well to this season of prayer that we're going into. Even in my own life, I've seen the importance and the urgency of prayer that I must Be in at this time of my life. Uh, For quite some time I've received really strong convictions from God and so to say I've been able to see a deeper calling in my life and um, a deeper mission that I must take upon but even with all these convictions and confirmations and uh, callings of my life I really felt that the Lord was trying to tell me this week Paul All I want you to do for now is to pray because you never know. Um, I want you to take it to prayer and let me do the work. Just trust in me and continue to pray for these 40 days. So I really hope that tonight's message, um, even for those that are not part of our congregation, there may be something in your life that you are praying about. There may be decisions in your life that you need to make, very important ones. I just pray in the next 40 days that the Lord would answer your prayers. It may not be the results that you want, but I guarantee that if we give our hearts to God in prayer and trust in Him, that He will answer. Tonight I will be going through uh, just a handful of passages uh, to focus on the importance of prayer and also, ultimately, as we look to Christ who is our chief example and model of prayer. With that said, I would like to turn to Luke chapter 11, verse 1 at this time. Luke chapter 11, verse 1 reads Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. I'll just go ahead and begin with a brief prayer. Uh, Lord, we. Come before a holy God, a God that many times in our life that we do not revere and fear. Help us to see that you are all-powerful, all-knowing, and almighty. Lord, you know, you are wise. Tonight, teach each and every one of us how to pray that it would bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want to point out some things here that are very important um, for those that have read this passage before. In the perspective of the disciples, this must have been such an amazing moment. They have seen and just witnessed their leader, their master, their teacher praying. It must have been an amazing event filled with awe and wonder, but at the same time, they must have been so fearful. Because the Bible tells us that they did not approach him until he finished praying. So when they saw him pray, there must have been something stirring in their hearts. What is he doing? How is he praying? No one dared to touch him. No one dared to bother him. No one even dared to speak with him. They observed and watched Jesus pray. They watched him as he bowed on his knees, crying out to the Father, calling out to the Father. It was like nothing they had ever seen before. You see, friends, I believe there is power in prayer. When you see a man or woman of prayer, you sense something about them. When you see a man and woman of prayer, you sense the spiritual authority that exudes off of them. When I look at my mother, she may be fragile and weak now, but I still believe she is a powerful woman, not because she is humanly powerful, but because she is powerful in prayer. And after they had witnessed Jesus praying, the disciple went to Jesus and asked this question, Lord, teach us to pray. You see, this is a question or a statement that we may just generally overlook many times. It's a simple question. How do we pray? Lord, teach us to pray. But in actuality, this is an amazing statement in itself. It's an amazing statement that many times we as readers and believers may overlook. And I want to share another important point here. When we look at the Bible, a disciple never came to Jesus and asked, Lord, teach us to preach. Lord, teach us to walk on water. Lord, teach us to cast out demons. Teach us to raise the dead. They never asked Jesus any of these questions, but they asked Jesus to teach them to pray. Why? Why prayer? And I believe it is this, friends, the greatest demonstration of divine power was seen not when Jesus Christ raised the dead or not when Jesus Christ walked on water, but I believe the greatest demonstration of divine power was seen and recognized when Jesus prayed. The observation I have tonight is that Jesus was a man of prayer. And this is what I want to focus on here tonight as we look to the example and model of Jesus Christ that you might come to understand the importance of prayer in the life of Jesus. Then come to understand that if prayer was so important to Jesus, the Son of the living God, then how much more important should prayer be for us? How much more should we depend upon prayer? Luke chapter 5, verse 16 reads, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. In other versions it reads, but he would slip away to the wilderness to pray. For every one of us, there are things that we enjoy versus things that we grudgingly have to do like work, obligations of our lives. And many times the natural inclination of our heart and reaction of our heart is to slip away from the work and slip away to what we find enjoyment in. For an example, for children, um, they may want to slip away from doing chores. They may want to slip away from doing homework. They may want to slip away from doing the dishes or practicing piano. And they may want to slip away from that and slip away to being on their phones and playing video games. For men, it's great that we have a group of all ages here tonight. Men, we may want to slip away from the assignments and tasks of our lives and slip away to watching a sports game. Even for women, can't forget women, even for women, we may, they may want to slip away from the house, leaving the kids at home, and slip away to shopping and being with friends. You see, the point that I want to make here is that we slip away to the things that we enjoy the most. But what does it look like when it comes to our relationship with Jesus? Isn't it a crime that spending time with Jesus for us almost seems like work, that rather than slipping away to it, we slip away from it? The question I ask you in your life is, what do you enjoy the most? When you are tired, when you are overwhelmed with your work and studies, when you need a break, where is it that you slip away to? You see, because for Jesus, as we read in the Gospels, Jesus was very busy. Jesus was very tired in his ministry. And this is possible because though Jesus was the son of the living God, he was still man just like you and I. He grew tired. He grew weary. And Jesus himself needed rest. Jesus slipped away from the crowds and the multitudes. And he slipped away to where? Where? to be with the Father. This is a great challenge for you and I today. Can we be people of God that can say that even though I am tired, overwhelmed with my work and studies, and I need a break, I need a place to slip away to, that we can say, I just want to slip away to Jesus for a moment because he is my escape and he is my place of rest. Jesus slipped away to the wilderness and he prayed to his Father. You see, the world we live in is filled with so much noise, so much distractions, and for us, we know, the world is filled with temptations. There comes a time in our lives that we must slip away from the world and slip away to the presence of God. And the question is, how do we slip away? What do we do to slip away? like Jesus did and immediately you may think that when you slip away to the presence of God that you need to pray for a lengthy amount of time hours of prayer or that when you slip away to the presence of God that you need to pray at all times on your knees and this is very important I believe those things are very important and that should be the posture of prayer that we not fight on our feet, but that we be men and women of God that can fight on our knees. However, your life, you may not be capable of that right now. Doing that may be beyond you because maybe we have not practiced prayer in our lives that we are mature enough to be able to pray for hours and to be able to pray on our knees. This may not be possible for us at this given moment. So then you may ask, then what is the alternative? And this is the answer that I want to give you for this point. How do we slip away? It is this, five minutes here, five minutes there, 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there, we slip away in our days. There may be downtime when you're changing classes and you have about 10 minutes before your next class begins, slip away. You may be at work at the office and you may have some downtime before you meet your next client, slip away. You see, we must understand that communication with the Lord in our everyday lives is ongoing, that God does not rest. He does not take breaks from us, and he does not take vacations. God is accessible 24-7 of our lives. Slip away. You will be surprised how much that will add up to your life. Friends, slip away. Luke chapter 6, verse 12 and 13 reads, In these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve, whom he named apostles. I want to ask you another question here. Have you ever had to make a really tough decision in your life? A decision that changes the course of your life a decision that will impact your life greatly. And in that moment of this decision making, did you take it to the Lord in prayer? Thinking about this decision day and night, wrestling with this, should I do this, should I not? Is it a yes or a no? Did that lead you to go into a place of prayer? If you say no, then I say to you, behold, we have found someone stronger than Jesus. Because Jesus, even the Son of God, took it to prayer in his decision making. Isn't it amazing that Jesus would pray for the entire night to hear the voice of God that he would be able to discern in the 12 disciples that he was about to select? Jesus did not jump into conclusion to select the 12 followers, he prayed. And he asked Father, his Father, to discern who it must be to choose amongst his 12 people. I find that amazing. That even Jesus, the Son of God, who knew everything, who was God in flesh, that even he would take it to prayer to seek wisdom and discernment from the Father. You see, the sad thing about this is nowadays, This is not much needed anymore in the life of the saints and the believers. This is not much practiced because when we face an important decision that we have to make, rather than taking it to the Father, seeking discernment, we hold it to ourselves, we try to figure it out, and we make a decision. How foolish must we be to think that we can make an important decision without prayer? What is the application for this point? Rather than making an important decision based upon feeling or rushed desire or impatience, we must pause, be still in the presence of God, and pray for discernment. Why, you may ask, because Jesus did. We make thousands of choices each day. Thousands of choices. We choose what we do. We choose what we eat. We choose what we wear. We choose where we go. We choose our words. And what I'm telling you tonight for this point is not necessarily praying for discernment for every single thing that you do. I'm not saying you have to pray, Lord, um, it's breakfast. Uh, I don't know if I should eat a banana or an apple. Or, Lord, it's breakfast. I don't know if I should have a coffee with my meal or juice. Or, Lord, oh, I'm out of gas. I don't know if I should put regular or premium. You see, these aren't necessary, although it's not a sin to discern and ask for discernment for all these questions, but it's not necessary. However, every day we do make choices that impact ourselves and impact the people around us. It's it's really hard for me to look at you guys tonight Um, the choices we make in our everyday lives, in our work, in our schools, in our homes, in our relationships, and even the words that we speak. There comes a time in your life where you may need to meet a friend who is asking for advice and needs counseling. And what I want to advise you is those are perfect moments where you can pray for discernment. See, we must never rush into counseling before first being counseled by God. For this point, I say pray for discernment. Luke 22, verse 42 reads, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. This is another truly amazing uh, incident that happens before the arrest of Christ. You see, before Judas comes, before the betrayal, before the arrest from the soldiers, Jesus is praying in the garden and he is in great agony. He is in great sorrow and he is sweating blood. But even still, in that kind of condition and circumstance, Jesus still has the strength to cry out, not my will, but yours be done. How is this possible? Could we be able to pray these words in such a condition and circumstance? How is this possible? I will give you the answer. Jesus was able to pray this and was able to say these words because Jesus shared the dreams of God and his heart aligned with the Father's. You see, this is what prayer does. It aligns our hearts with God's heart. However, Jesus in that moment faced a great test. And what was his response? He still submitted to God's will. I was reading an article today and it aligned so perfectly with this point and I just wanted to share this with you. Um, Jesus trusted that the Father's desire or will would result in the greatest good for the greatest glory of God and the greatest joy for the saints. Jesus trusted in that moment of turmoil and and pain and sorrow and agony, he still trusted that God's desire, God's will would result, would conclude in the greatest good, the greatest glory of God, and even more, that it would be the greatest joy for the saints. You see, Jesus wasn't praying, Father, I refuse to obey or I refuse to submit. But instead, Jesus was saying, is there any other way that this could happen and result in the same way without the cross? Is this the only way, Lord? And in prayer, in prayer, Jesus received the answer to his own question. And the answer was, yes, you must drink from this cup. I believe there is the gospel here in this point, friends. Jesus was wounded. He was scarred. He was humiliated, punished, beaten, crucified, and ultimately executed. But even though Jesus knew that this was ahead of him, he was terrified. He still believed, my will is to do your will. So what makes it so hard for us to submit to God's will? Why is it so difficult for us to submit to the will of God? I want to share four things. First thing I believe we are afraid to submit to God's will is because of fear. We are terrified. Is there any other way? Lord, I don't want to go this way. There is so much I need to sacrifice. There is so much I need to let go. Is there any other way? If God, his will for your life, suddenly was for you to move out of the country that would bring glory to his name, that you would be used greatly out of country. Would you be able to do this? Could you do it? It's not that we cannot do it physically. We can definitely do it. We just buy a ticket and we go. It's not that we can't do it, but it's that we won't allow ourselves to fully submit to God's will. Even though we know the will of God for our lives, we refuse to take action. Second thing that might be, make it hard for us to submit to God's will is because we do not know God. How do we submit to a God that we do not know? Knowing God is our life purpose, and the Lord created us to be in relationship with him out of the many reasons that he created us. But if we do not know God, how can we ever submit to his will? And I think many of us may not know God because we fail to seek his word. Third difficulty that makes it hard to submit to God's will is that we do not know how to pray. We just don't know how to pray. How can we pray if we do not depend on God? And how can we submit to God if we do not pray? Lastly, What makes it hard to submit to God's will? It may be because we think we know better than God. How can we submit to God if we think we know better than him? And there are types of people in this world who like to plan out every step of their lives and foreshadow and project every outcome of their lives. But for these people, if they do not leave room for God, how can they ever submit to him? The application for this point here is this. Jesus teaches us by being the model example of this. The real prayer of faith is the prayer that trusts God no matter whether the answer is yes or no. We are to come to God and tell him what we want, but we must trust him to give the answer that is best for us. That is what Jesus did. We bring our desires to God. We bring what we want to God, but at the same time, we have faith that God will do and respond to what is best for us. In this moment of your life, you may have to make decisions, important decisions. You may be terrified. You may want another way aside from God's will. But submitting to God's will is not just knowing the will of God, but it is doing his will. Let your will be done. Once again, our observation tonight is that Jesus was a man of prayer. But when we see that Jesus was a man of prayer, we may ask this question to ourselves, or you may have this question in your heart. Why did Jesus have to pray so much if he was the son of the living God? Why was it even necessary for him to pray? That's a good question. And my answer, though many answers are available, Could it be possible that Jesus wanted to slip away, to be alone with God simply because he loved him? And that's why he prayed. Could that be the simple answer? Why Jesus had to pray so much in his life? Could it simply be that he just wanted to be with his father, to be in the presence of his father more than anywhere else, more than being anywhere else with anyone else, that he wanted to be in the presence of his father because also he loved him. If it was so easy for Jesus to pray, the question I ask you, and I wanna, this is my closing question for tonight, why is it so hard for Christians to pray? Why is it so difficult when prayer is the backbone of our lives as believers? Why is it so hard to pray? You see, I know majority of the people in this room tonight because I've spent life together with you many years. However, I still don't know everything about you. I don't know how you behave and how you are like behind closed doors when nobody else is watching. And one thing I don't know as well is that I don't know how your prayer life looks like. So I ask you these questions. Is it hard for you to pray? And you don't have to be ashamed to answer that. Is it difficult for you to pray? If you say yes, then I hope that what I say next would encourage you greatly. Psalm 103, verses 10 through 14, I will close with this passage. Is it difficult for you to pray? Is it hard for you to pray? Then let's read along here. You and I can't grasp this image of this type of love because we've never seen it on earth. You see, many of us or some of us may have wonderful parents, wonderful fathers, wonderful mothers who care for us, who provide for us, who protect us, who sacrifice for us because they love us. They want what's best for us. But even still, We still never had an earthly example of what the psalmist is talking about here, this type of love. He's talking about a love so perfect, incomparable, unmatchable type love that goes beyond us. And verses 10 through 12, after I read these verses, I ask myself this question, how could anyone in this world love like that? How can anyone love like this? He does not deal with us according to our sins when men and women do, nor repay us according to our iniquities. When we do, we keep record of wrongdoings in our lives and we want to pay back for what they've cost us. Or verse 11, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his Hesed love, his loving kindness toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. No height, nor depth, nor width, can ever match the love of God. This is the truth, this love. It is true, it is real, and it is alive in our lives today. Amen? This is the love of God. Not because of anything that we have done or deserve, but because of what Christ has done and accomplished. His love came down to us. I want to end with this, which is the last two verses of this section. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. I want to focus on that word compassion and link it and connect it to our father. You see, if you do not grasp the concept of God as your father, for some of us that may be difficult because our earthly fathers may have been monsters and we have been traumatized, we may have been scarred by our earthly fathers, that we cannot grasp this concept of God as being our father. And not only our father, but a compassionate father, a God who is a righteous God, a righteous father, a loving father. But until we grasp this concept of God being our father, of your father personally, it is going to be very, very difficult for you to pray in your future. This is the key. This is the answer. Do you truly believe that this God is your Father, that He is compassionate to you, that He is loving to you, and He is a righteous Father? Do you believe this? For me, I strongly believe this. There's no one in this world that would ever or can ever compare their love to our Father's love. Because God is the only person that knows every single dirty thing about me, but yet he still loves me. He does not judge me, and he does not put me to shame. In this world, people may shame you and humiliate you and mock you and judge you because of your filth, because of your failures and your wrongdoings, but because God's love is not like man's love. He sees every crevice of our heart. He sees every sinful desires of our hearts. He sees every area of our lives that we do wrong, and yet he still shows compassion, kindness, and love and mercy to us. It's nothing that I have done that I realize this, and I believe in this. I don't deserve this type of love, but it's because our loving Father in heaven is a compassionate father it is because we have a god who is more wonderful than anything my words can communicate with you tonight and this is the only reason that i am able to pray because i believe in this truth i recognize it and i see it in my life personally i am nothing without god he is my everything and this is my daily submission to him I really wish that the Holy Spirit would come down upon this place tonight and come down upon the place that you are watching this from and not necessarily to empower you or give you power, although that is is needed, but that he would pour down upon us tonight so that he can demonstrate us the love of God and reveal to you that God loves you because God does love you. It is not in my words or in my persuasion that I can somehow make you believe that God loves you. The Holy Spirit has to reveal that to you. It is not in my power. It is in the power of God's Spirit to reveal to you, to give you this this revelation that God loves you. This is how much he loves you. He does not keep track of our wrongdoings. He throws the track book away. He threw the book of our wrongdoings away by nailing it to a tree. So I say in closing tonight, Lord, teach us to pray. How do we pray? It starts with seeing and realizing and knowing that we have a compassionate, loving Father who loves you, that did not hold us to our sins and our iniquities, but that he chose to wipe away, cleanse our sins by pouring his son's blood out for us, showing his great love to us. And when you understand this and understand God's love for you, an outpour of thanksgiving and gratitude will flow from your heart, and this will lead you to prayer. Lord, teach us to pray. If I can have the uh, praise team come up at this time. I would like to close this out in prayer. Lord, how amazing it is that this type of love so great is made available to us. But Father, Father, Sometimes it may be hard for us to grasp this concept of you being a loving father because of what our earthly father has done to us. We may have been wounded and scarred and even abused by our earthly fathers that it is so difficult to understand that there is possibly a father who loves us. Holy Spirit, we ask that you renew our minds over and over and over and over again until we hold, grasp, and believe in this truth. Father, I believe the only way that we can realize and understand your love for us is through the Spirit of God and also through your Word. We thank you, Lord, for loving such wretched people like us, like me, We thank you, Lord, for showing great compassion upon people who've refused to obey you many times of our lives, who would rather chase the world than rather chase the word, who would chase others rather than chasing you, Jesus. Thank you for your mercy, your loving kindness, and your compassion towards your people. I am reminded, Lord, that you are such a faithful God that even in the midst of what is happening in our lives right now, even in all the turmoil and hardships that we have faced in the past, thinking that you weren't even listening or you were not present in our lives, you have continuously been faithful. Some of us here have testimonies of your faithfulness. Some of us may not. But Lord, I pray that those that are in waiting, those that are in silence, waiting for an answer that you would reveal your faithfulness to them Lord as we sing these songs of praise and as we go into a moment of prayer, spirit would you lead us, would you convict the hearts of those that are here and would you reveal to the hearts of men and women and the children that are present here in this room today and those that are watching and reveal your great love for them May there be testimonies that come out tonight because of what you've done for your glory. So we thank you. And as we continue to praise you and worship you, let us fix our eyes to the audience of one. In Jesus' name we pray.